0: What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Now, is this episode one or two
1: of The Hive Jive? I mean, technically, it's episode two. Well, we had an intro. Yeah, we count that as one. It's okay. official. We're out there. Okay, this is
0: episode two. Now we, what we're going to talk about here is It's beehive.
1: Where you know we, we have our bees. Is that what you call them, beehives? Well, actually, so we're going to talk about honeybees, but we're going to talk about the honeybee colony. the The hive is literally the structure you put the bees in. Okay. And the colony refers to the bees themselves, so they're two separate things. We're going to look at the actual bee colony. Then the colony is the organism. There you go.
0: The, it's, the organism. It's got the brain, which is the queen. It's got the drones, which uh, has to have a drone to <laughs> have to breed the queen, so they can have babies, and she can rally eggs, and she can make more workers. Now,
1: now, now Ken, is 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 she is she the brain? Is she the heart? Is she the reproductive organ? Well, yes.
0: Well, all the above. All the above. Man, she's got a lot of things. They, they have to raise, and that's why she is bigger. She meaner. is
1: bigger. Well, she's not necessarily mean. It ain't mean. No. Okay.
0: Putting Ain't like my wife then. <laughs> but now, now, so the 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 hive. No. Nope. The colony. The colony their one thing is to
1: take care of the queen. And survive, and their babies. It's, it's 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 kind of a, so there's a little bit of a misnomer on, uh, you know, we, la- we think of the queen and we think of royalty and, and all these medieval terms, mm-hmm. which actually a lot of those terms did come from beekeeping. Mm-hmm. And, but in reality, the queen, she doesn't rule the hive entirely. Her pheromones do different things inside the hive and they do keep the bees in check. Mm-hmm. But the workers actually tell the queen when delay, what delay, how much delay, uh, when they decide that it's time to do a reproductive split and swarm and divide that hive, they make the queen, like they stop feeding her, they chase her around the hive, they they make her exercise, Ken. They make her exercise. Really? <laughs> they say, you are too fat to fly. You need to burn some weight. We got to get out of here. <laughs> wow. So,
0: now, what was really crazy that I learned from you, and we might have, yeah, no, I'm going to talk about it. The queen that leaves when a when a swarm leaves a hive or a colony.
1: Actually, is the you old can use it in that term. Yeah, the the queen. Whenever a and you you did actually use that right because when she leaves the hive and the hive is the structure they live in, so mm-hmm. that that was correct. Um, when she leaves, it is the original queen. It's the mother queen that leaves, and a new queen is raised. So we're gonna go through today. We're gonna look at these nuances, and we're gonna talk about. What all is inside of your hive? The different types of bees, what their roles are, what they do, and kind of break it down and and pull back this little veil of mystery about what's going on in there. Um, first, though, I want to talk about what is not a bee. The poor little bees, they get they get so yeah. much bad rep. I got stung by a bee. Did you? Was it a bee or was it one of them mean little wasps? Or yellow jacket. <laughs> a yellow, exactly, yeah, yellow, yellow
0: jacket. Jackets are mean.
1: So now now yellow jacket. We'll pick on them first. So the yellow jacket, a little uh misnomer on them mm. most of us have grown up being told that the yellow jacket is the little orange wasp that makes the paper nest on the eaves of your house and on your porch mm. but that's not a yellow jacket that no is sense. an orange paper wasp that is its really? actual name it's the common orange paper wasp and that's the one we see the most the yellow jacket itself is almost exactly the same size as a honey and it's bird. a hornet we call those
0: ground hornets
1: yeah, exactly a ground hornet yes yeah and they are mean little birders. yes they are yeah uh key key note, anything that comes out of the ground is usually mean as hell. yeah. <laughs> like, now, in this and for
0: this here, the only honeybee that will raise
1: in the ground is a or no. Well, so if you have true honeybees and they did choose to live inside the ground, they have a very high density of Africanized genetics. In okay, they're
0: going to be the mean bees. They're going to be mean okay, again. It uh, goes back to anything. That, that's all that I comes, was wanting to get to. Anything comes we'll, out of the we'll ground stop is mean. That. We'll stop that. <laughs> okay.
1: So so if you're out in nature and you're looking around and you see that Winnie the Pooh big conical shaped nest in a tree that's hanging down and it's mm-hmm. kind of wider, or it's gray, those mm-hmm. are not honeybees.
0: No, the hornet.
1: Exactly. So yeah. if you think back to movies like My Girl. The scene in My Girl, the little boy and the little girl, they are out walking in the woods, and they see, and they call it a beehive, and they start throwing rocks at it. Well, it's not a beehive. hornets. And those are hornets. But there's a misconception that comes up there because they show that later on the ground. They've knocked it out of the tree, and right. the boy comes back to find the little girl's ring. Right. And when he's back, you know, spoiler alert, if you guys haven't seen My Girl, it came out a long time ago. It's your own fault. Um, <laughs> so the boy comes back to find the girl's ring, and he sees that nest laying on the ground, and he kicks it to see if it's alive, and nothing happens. Well, then somebody had the bright idea, let's take honeybees and put on top of that so we can further our image of this is a beehive, (laughs) quote-unquote. And they show actual (laughs) honeybees crawling on this paper wasp nest, and then the bees start flying around and they sting the boy, and you know the rest ensues and the movie plays out. But it it just adds to this misconception that those are honeybees, and they're not. Honeybees do not build paper nests. They're going to be wax. Exactly, it's going to be wax, and it's always they wanna find a cavity Uh to protect themselves. If they build a nest in the open on a house or on a tree, it's gonna be open comb. You will see the vertical wax comb, the honeycomb exposed. It won't be enclosed in a paper Mm -hmm. shroud. So around here in Central Texas, it's gonna be one of two things. If you see those giant enclosed paper nests, it's either there's two types of yellow jacket, and then there is the bald-faced hornet, which is also a yellow jacket, but it is white and black instead of yellow and black. And the third thing that it could potentially be is a Mexican honey wasp and the Mexican honey wasp as the name denotes they do actually make honey, but it's missing a key element from a honeybee honey so it comes out very medicinal and and almost kind of nasty. Um, but you can eat it. Um, some Mexican cultures go through and it's a delicacy. They'll they'll take it. They'll eat the larva and eat the honey. And you're making funny faces like that. Don't yeah, sound we're like the sweet. We're, goodness. we're
0: talking bees here. We're not talking. About.
1: So those those are the things that are not bees. So when you see those in nature, you know, just just know those are not a bee. A bee is cute and fuzzy unless you've got a red head. <laughs> it's, if it's in Texas, it's a <laughs> red headed mutt. Um, not literally red, but yeah. So, worldwide, there are 25,000 different species of bees, 4,000 of those live in America. And in the state of Texas, because we're huge, mm-hmm. 1,000. So we have a quarter of all the native bees in the U.S. live in Texas.
0: Now, do we have different bees, say, that live on the coast or different bees that live here in central Texas? Or you go to the panhandle
1: or you go to the piney woods? Absolutely. When you're looking at, like, the solitary bees and solitary pollinators, mm-hmm. yes, they're they're individualized and they're specialized to each climate and region and zone. Um, but the honeybee itself is not native. We imported the honeybee. From Europe. Yep. So we would consider them, if you find them out in the wild, we would call them a feral bee but not a native bee your native bees are going to be like your bumblebees and your little solitary mason bees and leafcutter bees Uh,
0: but bees are good so uh, that's like a feral pig feral pigs they didn't they came from europe also in fact they were released when ponce de
1: leon 400 years ago let his first
0: bunch of pigs loose
1: yeah have you noticed how a lot of things in in our culture start with oops (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am
1: <laughs> So, okay So let's let's go through and let's look at the, the Actual, let's kind of dissect A bee itself, so when you look at the bee Obviously, you know, you can see it's got two Big eyes up front, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually has five total There's three on the very top of its head that are mm-hmm. just Photoreceptors for light and dark And they use those so that even In cloud cover, they know the exact position Of the sun, no matter where it's at And that's how they start to create their navigation system. That's how they know how to get from the hive to a flower and back because they can pinpoint where the sun is, and they actually use geometry better than any of us ever could. Wow. And they can find where they're going. Wow. And the actual eye itself, your compound eye, which is the same as any insect, it is fractured. It's got all kinds of different angles and stuff Mm. to it on the lens. They use that for flight. And the faster they move or the faster you move, the better they can see you. So the person running, screaming, and flailing their arms, there's That's a big neon get... sign pointing, get that one, go that one. Okay, okay I
0: can see that. So yeah. you
1: tell your buddies, run, 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 <laughs> and then you freeze. And you freeze, yeah. So when you're doing beekeeping and you're working bees, the slower you move and the calmer you are, the calmer the bees are. Okay. The quicker you move, the more attention you catch and uh, the more interesting things get. So they're fuzzy. Their entire body is literally covered with hair. Even their eyeballs and their wings, all wow. of them covered in hair. Um, you ever heard the old adage that uh, like a bumblebee should not technically be able to fly due to the laws of aerodynamics?
0: They're just big. <laughs> well, exactly. They got the, little bitty wings. Their
1: body's too big and their wings are yeah. too small. So on a honeybee, on any bee actually, they have four wings. They have the front forewing and then they have the hind wing. And there's one set on each side. And that's why they go... Yeah, well those wings themselves aren't big enough in theory Mm -hmm. to actually create enough lift to get the bee off the Mm -hmm. ground, especially a big fat bumblebee. Mm -hmm. But what happens is on those wings, one set has rings and the other set has hooks and they interlock. So your front wing and your back wing interlock to create one big wing on either side of the bee and then they can fly. Okay. Or in the bumblebee's case, nobody ever told it. So it just beats the air into submission and does what it wants. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um... On the hind legs of the worker bees, on the honeybees, they mm-hmm. have what's actually called the pollen basket. Yeah, and, that's where uh, you see,
0: you've see you seen the yellow stuff all over exactly. their legs. Exactly.
1: they got legs. Like, it's like bloomers right. They're wearing these little yellow and orange right. balls on their back legs. Uh, that's where they collect the pollen. So it gets all over their body, covered in that hair. They go through, they rake it, they roll it into a ball, and they pack it back onto that little pollen basket. And there's these sharp spiked hairs in that divot that will actually hold the pollen. They just wow. kind of smash it on there. And then as you move on down, the very tip, is the stinger, and that's the part that most everybody's afraid of is the stinger. If you see the stinger up close, if you actually look at a magnification of it, it's actually two separate parts, and it is serrated. Mm -hmm. So if you put your hands together, that's kind of how the stinger is, and then it's got a muscular structure that actually makes it move side to side, Really. and then the serration of it causes it to burrow down into your skin. So it digs. uh, It digs. It burrows in and it holds on, which is why when they sting you, it stays and they do this quick little spiral mm-hmm. and then they jump and it it comes out and it unfortunately it takes most of their insides with it. Wow. Yeah, that's so the death, dead. that's the death of the bee. So a yeah. honeybee can only sting you once. So those wasps, they're mean. It's oh, like yeah, a twist they of sting nature. You all they they're mean, they can sting you as much as they right. want, but the bee just one time. Um, on the end of that stinger is the actual venom sac. And it's still pumping just like the heart pumps and it's slowly pumping venom so into you. So the love
0: faster you pull the the the, yeah. the,
1: the stinger out the quicker you get it out the less reaction you're going to have but how you get it out is crucial because if you grab a hold of it and you pinch it yeah you're going to inject all of that yeah all the venom at once. how works. do you get it out scratch it or scrape it you can use your fingernail you could use the back of a knife a credit card anything a key just scratch straight across the skin it'll pull it, pull it right it out. out yep okay it's the easiest way to do it now reactions from those Very drastically. The true allergic reaction, only 2% of the population is genetically dispositioned to have that. Mm -hmm. But what happens on a regular reaction, you can get stung on your hand and you can get a little welt. Or your whole hand can swell up or it can go all the way up to your elbow or Mm -hmm. your shoulder. All of that, unfortunately, is normal. It is the same concept of, it actually has some components in relation to like rattlesnake venom. So it's designed to make you stop and say, oh, that was a bad idea. I should not do that again. That was that was not fun. But the actual allergic reaction, you can get stung on your hand mm-hmm. and you break out in a rash all over your body and your throat starts to swell shut. That's the allergy. That's the true allergic reaction where you need the EpiPen. Um, some people can actually have that happen later in life because you get stung you hear these horror stories where gentlemen right, get 200 stung 200 times so much yeah. yeah the next time you get stung once your body freaks out and thinks all the rest of that toxins coming so it produces way too much histamine and that then causes a different type of allergic reaction that is just as threatening wow. but that's the so those those are the bad parts of it but when you go through so how many how many different types of bees are inside of a hive there ken
0: You got your workers, you got your
1: ones to take care of the queen, you got your queen, you got your drone. So we can break all of that down into literally just three bees, uh, three types or classes of bees. Okay. They all start off as an egg. Mm -hmm. And you end up with the females, which make up 90% of the entire colony. Those are all worker bees and they're Mm -hmm. all female. You've got the queen. Typically, there should only be one queen per colony. In very rare instances, there can be two, like a mother-daughter pair. It has to usually be a large colony where they don't really come into contact with each other. Um, it definitely becomes Game of Thrones if they do. It's off with their head. But uh, and then you've got the drones, and the drones are only in there like in certain parts of the year, and they mm-hmm. only make up ten to fifteen percent of the colony. They don't work. They are lazy. Yeah. They don't do much anything. So hey, I, I can tell you the life of a drone here in a minute. And uh, it's uh, it sounds great when it starts, but, man, <laughs> it doesn't end so well.
0: <laughs> well, he flies out and chases the bee, and then th- th- they do their thing, and it's over.
1: Yeah, yeah, with, literally, with, and a he's, he's <laughs> with a bang. he's over. With a bang. See ya. So, don't uh, need to see you
0: no more. We're out of here.
1: In an in a interesting little way of nature, the queen bee has the control to choose the genetics of her offspring. Mm-hmm. So she can choose if she's laying a female egg or if she's laying a male egg. Really? Yeah. She can go through and she can choose it. Now, she knows because she measures the size of the cell. When the bees build the wax and they build the cells, there are smaller cells that are designed for worker bees. And there's larger cells because the drones are actually bigger. They're kind of like a small little bumblebee. Um, So there's larger cells for those. And when she sticks her head in there and measures it out, she says, ah, this one's supposed to be a girl. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna put a female egg in there. And she does that by fertilizing the egg. So wow. she can control that one drop to the egg and actually fertilize it and it will be a female. Wow. If it if she wants a boy, she simply doesn't fertilize that egg and she lays the egg and then you got a boy.
0: So if they want the male bees or a boy bee, why does she want those? To make drones or are they worker bees
1: or are they all in the buff? So the drones themselves, they, they're definitely not a worker. They use that. That None is their of, yeah. way of spreading her genetics mm-hmm. to other colonies. And all your colony is kind of a mixing pot. Mm-hmm. So when the queen does her mating, she never mates inside her colony. She actually leaves that colony on what's called her, her virgin voyage or her mm-hmm. mating flights and a nuptial flight is what mm-hmm. you'll see it as in the books and stuff. She goes out, and she can mate with anywhere from five to 20-plus drones oh, yeah. over the course of three days. Once she's done, she comes back, and that's it. She never leaves again unless they swarm or abscond, but she never leaves. And she has the ability—she has an organ in her body called the spermacatha— and she can actually store all that genetic material for up to five years. Wow. And it stays viable. Wow. So once she's done that, she's good. She goes through. She lays her eggs. She chooses the boys or the girls. But she makes those boys because they do need that to then spread her genetics and any good traits she has mm-hmm. to other feral colonies in the, in the area or the okay. region. Okay. Um, and then that, you know, that intermixing of the 15 plus, that's how you get such biodiversity inside their genetic makeup to kind of help them survive challenges of life. But everybody else is a female, and man, their jobs, they start off day one, they got to get up, they got to clean their room, turn around, make it ready for the next batch to come through and next eggs to be laid. Um, They go through life, they learn how to take care of the queen, how to groom the queen, they feed her, they learn to, they actually make the wax, did you know that? They literally secrete the wax from their body. Really? Yeah. It's an overdose of sugar, basically, and it's their body's version of kind of like sweat. When we teach the kids, we tell them it's like, it's bee sweat. And they're like, ew. <laughs> but uh, it's wax. It, it just it comes out from underneath the exoskeleton, and they pull off the sheets, and they chew it up and make it malleable, and all the sisters pass it around and actually use it to then stretch it out and build the structure that is their house.
0: How many bees does it take to make one cell? One how many how many uh, little sheets will
1: it take? To, uh, see, I'm asking you that something. Is, that is a very good question. I am not honestly sure to make one cell because the right. wax itself is actually, they spread it out. They stretch it pretty thin. Right. But yet it holds up a great deal of weight and structure based on the shape. Right. And it's all about that hexagonal it's shape. Octagon. Yeah. Well, hexa- hexagon. Hexagon. It's six sides. Um, but, yeah, so if you looked at it in terms of, like, energy cost, energy mm-hmm. resources – it takes a lot of nectar to make honey, and it takes ten pounds of honey to make one pound of wax. Like it is a very resource-intensive process to build this wax comb for their living structure. But they use it to store their food. That's where they raise their babies. That's where they put the honey. That's everything oh yeah, they do. Their house. Yeah, that's it. That's what they live in. Um, and the worker bees, the female bees, which are dubbed the workers, those are the ones that do all of that. They build that wax. They gather that food. They bring it in. It's usually about from the time. Okay, so when you lay an egg, when the queen lays an egg, mm-hmm. it is, if she's going to be a queen, it's only 16 days from the day that egg is laid to the day that she emerges as a full-grown queen. Wow. If it's a worker bee, it's 21 days. And if it's a drone, it takes about 24 on average. And so there's this system basically set up in that cast system on, based on your genetics, how long it's going to take you to evolve. The queen's the fastest because she's the most important. Right. Yeah. Now... Do you know the difference between a worker and a queen, as far as how they come about?
0: The queen is fed the royal jelly, and I guess that's what changes her into a queen.
1: Basically, um, we used to. So there's still a lot of hot debate on it, but we used to think that it was the royal jelly. This is a magical serum. Something's in it that it can create this magical creature. And in reality, it ended up being not what is in the royal jelly, but what she doesn't eat. So they're not feeding her the bee bread, and they're not feeding her the nectar and the honey. And that is actually how she then is able to evolve. It doesn't stunt her into a worker. She evolves into the full-size queen. Um, Because of that, she's twice the size of your Mm -hmm. regular worker. So if you were to look at your pinky finger, from the tip of your finger to that first knuckle, Mm -hmm. that's about the size of a regular honeybee. Mm -hmm. If you go from the tip of your finger to the second knuckle, that's Mm -hmm. the queen. Wow! So she's twice as long, got a long (laughs) torpedo-shaped abdomen to her. Uh, she can live for up to five years. Whereas a regular worker, best case scenario over the winter, if it's a winter bee and it's got a lot of fat reserves is about three to four months for a worker in the spring and summer, six weeks. That's as long as they live. So they, they have a high mortality rate. They literally work themselves to death. Um, at three weeks of age for the worker bee, they leave the colony and they start foraging. They also become guards and undertakers where they carry out the trash and they defend the hive. But it's the flight. It's just like an engine on your car. They fly hundreds of miles a day Mm -hmm. carrying two to three times their body weight back to that hive. Mm -hmm. And it literally wears out their heart. Either their heart gives out or their wings tear and that's it. They fall, they die, they're done.
0: So when they fly back to, if, uh, say, they're wearing out, they fly back to the hive. Uh, They land. They wore out they go inside to get rid of their pollen whatever they got
1: and it dies then the the cleanup roll them out throw them outside yeah if they do happen to die inside the hive they're the undertaker bees will actually get them and they'll drag them out of the hive and kick them out the entrance um, a lot of times though in the bee world it's it's all for one and or one for all technically i guess I should say. It's it's They'll go die all. somewhere else. So, then. yeah, if they know they're sick, they will mm-hmm. purposely fly away from the hive so that they die somewhere else and don't spread that disease to the colony. Okay. Okay. So it's a, it's a really interesting how they work together to do everything that they need to do. But so you're, you know your worker, that's kind of their life expectancy. They go through that entire stage. They're responsible for gathering the nectar. They actually have two stomachs, kind of like a chicken does. Mm-hmm. The first one is their nectar crop. The second one is their actual stomach. They carry water and they carry nectar back to the hive that way they carry pollen back on their legs. That's their protein source is the pollen, the nectar is their carbohydrate. And that's their two primary food sources. They get all their vitamins and minerals and everything they need from that. They bring that back to the colony and and everything is for the good of the colony, raising the new bees. Um, It's a hard knock life for a worker, but that drone, now remember, I told you the drones. Yeah, drone, he's just lazy. So, you know, day one worker, nobody helps her come out of that cell. She's got a cleaner cell on a drone. Man, there'll be three or four workers out there they chew off the top of the capping. They help pull his fat little butt out of that cell. They clean him off. They literally feed him, hand, like, wait on him hand and foot for the first two weeks. Doesn't sound too bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you sit around on the couch watching TV, and girls bring you the beer, and you're mm-hmm. good to go. And then uh, about two weeks old, they hit their sexual maturity. Mm-hmm. And so now it's, it's that teenage phase. They're out there. They're hunting those virgin queens. So mm-hmm. they leave the colony, fly off to what's called the drone congregation area, where it's you know a bunch of guys hanging out looking for a girl. And if a queen happens to fly through... Man, the race is on. They all go out there, and they try to catch her, and they will literally mate in flight in midair. Really? And the male bee, unlike the female, the male does not have a stinger. So his body is actually designed, the stinger is his phallus. So he has no stinger. He can't sting you. You can mess with him all you want to, and he can't do anything. But when he catches that queen, and the whole process begins, um, the same thing happens to him that happens to the female when she stings you. The phallus is inserted, and then when the bee orgasms, he literally wrenches over backwards. It rips his internal organs out of his body. You audibly hear this pop, and he spirals out of the air and crashes to the ground. Yeah, uh, <laughs> our producer's having a fit. Yeah, he's like, no, 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 this is this is all gone horribly wrong. So I told you, it starts off. It sounds like it is it's bee porn. It, exactly, it's bee porn. <laughs> That was, that was Eric. That's our producer. He's, like I said, he's back there. He's having yeah, B-Porn
0: does not sound like a fun thing.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so like I said, it starts off sounding like the dream life. It's every guy's dream. You wake up, you get weighted on hand and foot, you get fed, you go look for girls. Um, but in this case, if you succeed and you find that mate, you die. That's, that's how it goes. You mate, you die. Now, if they don't, they come back home. And they can continue this process. They come home every night, you know, ah, well, I was out on the town, I went to the bar, didn't find nobody, so I came back home alone. That only goes for so long. As one of the dearths, either the summer dearth or the winter dearth, starts to approach, which the dearth is when you don't have any food for them. Mm -hmm. You're at it, you're at it. uh, Exactly, all the rest of the sisters are like, you know what, dude? We are tired of you eating all our food, drinking all our food. Yep. You're out. Yep. And they will kick them out of the hive. You will see this really interesting Like arc. if you look at the front of a hive, you'll see the guards all across the front blocking the entrance, and you'll see this ring of drones out there going, but it's cold out here. Let us in. (laughs) And they're like, nope, you're going to eat us out of house and home. So if you mate, you die. If you don't mate, you come home and your sisters you exile you, and you starve to death and you die. Yeah. <laughs> so so mate, you're gonna die quicker. Yeah. So you go out with a bang. <laughs> yeah. Or starve slowly. There you go. <laughs> so so that's the life of a drone. But um, in a in a fun little wrap up of everything there, that's the inner workings of a colony and kind of a little jovial perspective at the tail end of it. Yeah, it but, is. They, uh, they all work together. Your queen now, you know, we said she can, she can live for five years. Right. She, at the peak of the season, she can lay up to 2,000 eggs a day. A day. A day. That's millions of eggs in her lifetime.
0: To make her that prolific, do they have that many bees dying
1: a hive a day? Absolutely. So if you go back and you look at the mortality rate of the worker bee, if you've got worker bees dying every six weeks, Yeah. Your mortality rate is anywhere from 100 to 1,000 bees that die a day. A day? It could be because they, you know, there are some smaller instances of disease. Right. They could have been out on a crop that got sprayed with pesticides, so it's like mass wipeout. Um, they could have gotten hit by a car while they were flying mm-hmm. across the road. Or they literally lived their life expectancy and worked themselves to death. But the, the mortality rate is huge, so the queen has to be able to pump out just this endless number of eggs to try to keep up with that mortality rate. Wow. It's wow. insane. How many? So
0: that's why, when a queen hits the age, well, the young queen, or when they decide to make a young queen, they oust the old queen. She takes part of the
1: hive with her. There's too many bees in that hive, and they take her them with her. Yeah, so a, a, you're talking about a, what we would term as the true definition of a swarm. Uh, right. In beekeeping, a swarm is actually a reproductive split, and we we use the definition in in layman's terms just to mean a lot of things flying around. But in, or swimming around and fishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but in the bee world, a swarm is the reproductive split. So perfect world scenario, they've got tons of food. There's tons of bees. They're running out of space inside their cavity. And they're mm-hmm. like, hey, you know what, guys? We've done really good. We should go ahead and make a new entity, a new creature. So if we're looking at them as an organism overall, mm-hmm. they do like a cell. And they divide and they split into a new cell. Yeah. And when they do that, the original queen and anywhere from 50 to 75% of the bees in that colony all up and leave, and they go off to find a new home. Inside the colony, they're raising multiple queens, and nature does this really bizarre little thing where the first queen that emerges, she she trumpets her her triumphant arrival to the right. world, right? Right. And they call it queen quacking or queen piping, mm-hmm. and they literally make this like meep 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 meep. And they make this weird little noise. If you ever hear it from your hive, you're like, what the hell is inside there? Like, what is going on? It's a queen, and she's actually doing two things one she's saying it's mine haha victory right any queens that are still inside their cells that haven't emerged yet they kill them they respond really and they pipe back they're like no it's ours but they're still trapped and in doing so they have given away their position and that virgin queen will stalk the entire hive listening for the responses and she will sting them to death and murder them in their cells before they can get out wow <laughs> i told you it's game of thrones i mean this is <laughs> <laughs> the <Okay. laughs> the victor is the sole queen that's left standing. Now if another queen emerges before she can get to her, uh-huh. well then it's battle royale. Whoever can survive the fight is the one that then inherits the colony and, and rules the hive. Wow. It's craziness. It's madness inside there. We oh, have, that sounds like a soap opera. It is. It is totally a soap <laughs> opera. She's not doing good off with her head. Uh, and they can do that too. If the queen actually, if their original queen, if she starts getting sick or if she's right. not producing enough pheromones or if she's not laying eggs, actually if she starts running out of the, the genetic material mm-hmm. to make females and they sense that, they can actually <laughs> purposely either kill her or run her out of the hive. And then they can make their own. They will choose an egg that is just about to hatch that is a female egg, and uh-huh. they will start the process to turn that into a queen. Because any fertilized female egg can be a queen. It's not a unique egg. Wow. Yeah. Now, that queen has different organs than the others. Absolutely. She And it's it's so weird. When they first discovered bees and they opened up a hive, scientist-wise, they opened it up and they saw this giant thing in there. They thought it was actually a completely separate insect, a different species. Really. And in reality, it's just that queen's allowed right. to fully develop. So she's missing some of the mouth parts that the worker bees have. Mm-hmm. But she's got different organs that produce pheromones that the worker bees do not have at all. She's got that organ, the sperma cathode, that holds the genetic material and allows her to mate. They don't have mm-hmm. that at all. Um, it's really kind of interesting. But in, a, in another little odd thing, some of the pheromones that she submits out or secretes out suppresses the ability for the other females to ever develop their ovaries. They do actually have ovaries, and they can physically lay eggs, but they are physically incapable of mating. So they well. can never go out. They can never mate. But if you were to remove the queen from that colony, you'll end up what's called a, a queenless hive. And then it turns into a laying worker hive. Right. And Nobody's that, working then. yeah, well, what happens with the laying workers is they, in the absence of the queen, somebody or multiple somebodies ends up going, oh, my God, we're, we're going to die. We don't have a queen. Somebody's got to do something. So they actually invigorate those ovaries and generate them and start laying eggs. But since how they can never mate, those eggs will never be fertilized, which means they're laying what?
0: They're they're, they're They're sterile.
1: They're all boys. Any unfertilized egg turns out to be a boy. So they start laying a ton of boys, and we've already discovered boys do what? They're lazy. Absolutely nothing. That's right. The boys don't do anything. So the colony starts this downward spiral where then it'll end up collapsing and crashing and dying out because no new workers were coming in. And you can always tell when that happens. You look inside the cell. If the queen lays the egg, it is one egg in the center of the cell, right in the bottom, sticking straight up, looking at you. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It's pristine. If a worker's doing it, her abdomen's not as long. She doesn't know what the hell's going on. There'll be five or six eggs in one cell. Wow. And they'll be all along the sides because she can't reach the bottom. They're all over the place. And that's usually a, a good indication that bad things have happened, and it's possibly irrevocable. There there may be nothing you can do to salvage that colony if you've let it get to that point. <laughs> All the things. Look at what you have to look forward to. When we get that hive, oh, and yeah. we put it out there on your land. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now,
0: so we're, we're talking colony here. We're talking the bees. The here. bees, yes, sir. Now... When will we start talking The hive, the the the
1: structure To put them in So the hive is exactly what you said It is the structure that you put them in That's going to be our next podcast episode mm-hmm. We're going to go through and we're going to talk about hive styles We're going to talk about the difference Between Langstroth and Top Bar Are the two kind of predominant ones You there didn't are, say flow I Well I didn't because a flow hive For all intents and purposes is a Langstroth hive That has a modified honey extraction Or super on the top of it And we're going to talk about that as well. So we'll talk about the Flow Hive. We'll talk about the Top Bar Hive. The Langstroth is the traditional square box. And we're going to break it down and we're going to see what is the best for you. How do you choose which hive you should actually use? That's going to be our next episode.
0: So in this next episode, folks, this is so we're teasing Uh, (laughs) y'all. We're going to talk Flow Hive, which would do we want to raise the Flow Hive in the backyard? I think a Flow Hive would be more for
1: a guy that has some backyard bees can you tell ken really really wants his flow hive <laughs>
0: well, no not really I, I want to and just because i think a flow hive is more where you don't have to get the knife you don't have to get the honey extractor you don't have to do this it's you you twist
1: it drains and runs out and so you know what you do need if you want a flow hive hmm. a lot of money <laughs> Okay, I'll go there. So, a Flow Hive, uh, yeah, we're going to go through, we're going to talk about that, and and I will take that veil of mystery off of what the Flow Hive actually is, and we'll break it down. Just like everything we're going to do in the podcast, we're going to try to put it in simple layman's terms and explain to you... Um, you know, what it is and how it really works and if it's right for you and, and if you should invest in it or not. I think what we're going to do for you, though, specifically, so you can get kind of a full spectrum mm-hmm. and we're going to do a traditional Langstroth hive. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a flow hive mm-hmm. and we're going to do a top bar hive. That way, as the show progresses, you can actually have experience from all three and you can see the pros and cons and, and be able to speak to i like this better and this is why
0: so the top bar hive is where if i want to uh, that's the one that makes the cone where they just hangs down like you would normally see in a tree or in a cave or between buildings absolutely okay if that's where you're gonna also if you want to uh sell the the wax that's what you want yep i'm gonna quit there because that's where i teased (laughs) y'all there you are folks teasing done. stick around Next episode. What are we going to talk about next episode? That was the next episode. Oh, we're going to talk about hive styles. Hives. (laughs) And this is the hive jive.
1: There you go. The hive jive. There you go, folks.
0: It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret. The Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes on the first and third Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening, and be safe out there.